Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Warning. The following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spook. Girls, true crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you Hey, Spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I am here with my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hello. Hello. And today we are bringing you another installment into our Serial Killer Summer Series. We are winding down. After this, we have only one more Serial Killer because it's going to be a two-parter. So get fucking ready. It's been a long time since we've done a multi-parter case like that. But today we're going to talk about the tea poisoner here in a bit. But if you are new here, thank you for checking out the show. If you would like to hang out with us on social media, you can go to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is Three Spooked Girls. We also have an amazing Facebook group that is Three Spooked Girls Official. Since summer's grinding down, Secret Satan's going to be coming soon. Oh, yeah. So we typically kick that off in like late August, early September. Yeah. So it's approaching quickly, y'all. So if you're not in the Facebook group, what the fuck you doing? Go over there. Even if you're like, I don't even like Facebook, just go join it. Why not? We're almost at 3,000 members over there. So like, do it. Like, I'm pretty sure we have a <laughs> listener who like only like only uses their Facebook to mm-hmm. be part of our group. Yeah, I think we have a few people like that. So yeah, you should too. (laughs) If you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls. For as little as a dollar, you get one bonus episode a month. These vault releases that have happened once a month over the summer are kind of sneak peeks into some of the content we do over there. So you can check that out. But that's really all I have. So I'm going to hand it over to Jess so she can kick us off. Okay, I don't. Okay, this is how this went down for us. We had a list of serial killers, and we were we had decided, and then our wonderful, fabulous editor, when we interviewed for our editor, we were like, "Is there any cases that you won't do?" And apparently, my dumbass, which picked a <laughs> which is a serial killer that was on the list, so we reached out and we're like, "Oh, we don't want to do this to you, so we're going to ask you to pick a serial killer who you like." Mm-hmm. So 
he gave us a couple options and we went with the teacup poisoner, mm-hmm. aka Graham Young. Yeah, he's a piece of work. Graham Young is one of those guys who like <laughs> he was like a it's like one of those crazy stories where like your child imagination like grows up. It's not like Willy Wonka, it's like Hannibal Lecter killing people, <laughs> not not much eating people, but like, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, serial killery. Dude, oh my god. What if there was like an evil Willy Wonka book or something? I would read that. Trademark. Done. You better get on that. I'm gonna you do it. You better reach out to that <laughs> author and I'm gonna <laughs> say that you're not gonna get permission to write because they still make money off that shit. <laughs> oh no, I'll just change it. I'll just change it. <laughs> ah, got it. <laughs> Loopholes. <laughs> For those of you who are the estate that handles that, ignore this. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) so Graham Young was born on September 7th, 1947 in a North London suburb to Frederick and Molly Young. Unfortunately, Molly would die of tuberculosis Mm -hmm. when Graham was only 14 weeks old. That's super baby, super young. Yeah. So Graham wasn't an only child. He had an older sister named Winifred, which I got real excited about (laughs) because I was like, "Mm -hmm, Winnie. Mm Mm-hmm. After Molly died, Graham's dad was like, I can't really, like, handle two kids on my own. I need to, like, get my life together. So he sent Graham off to live with his aunt uncle and his sister to live with their grandparents. The family would reunite when Frederick remarried. And apparently he had an affinity for women named Molly because his second wife was also named Molly. Oh. Yes. Interesting. Hmm. Graham apparently had grown really, really attached to his aunt and uncle, especially his aunt, because he lived with them for about two years. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, infant to two years old, really attached. And when his father remarried a couple years later, Graham went through, like, a period of time where he suffered from, like, severe separation anxiety. And I have a feeling this is probably where his, like, detachment. Mm Mm-hmm came from is the fact that like he had this like loving environment and then all of a sudden he was like ripped from it yeah and so over the next few years graham would start to like isolate himself and including what he did for fun so all his hobbies were based on like being by himself reading he was really into like chemistry and toxicology which is weird for a kid (laughs) i mean i guess i wasn't reading that as a young child no. <laughs> I don't know what the, the library in North London in the 50s had, but I'm sure it was more than toxicology <laughs> books. He also would get really into reading about notorious murderers, including mass genocide creator Adolf Hitler. Yeah. And he got really into reading about like Nazi Germany. And then he also... And it was deemed, quote unquote, his hero, as several sources said, the Victorian poisoner, William Palmer, apparently was one of his favorites. So he read a lot about these two men, Mm -hmm. and he apparently didn't see anything wrong with what they were doing. (sighs) So basically, he's reading, like, about how these people murdered people. Mm-hmm. And knows how they murdered people, and then reading how to become proficient at that type of murder. I mean, I mean, big red flag today. Like, if some kid is like idolizing Hitler, and they're not like in the Aryan Brotherhood realm of life, mm-hmm. parents get concerned, right? So, yeah, 
but apparently no one was paying attention to his we- his I want to I want I'm going to say weirdness, his weirdness and his weird hobbies because his father thought, "Hey, you know what we should do? My son is lonely. He doesn't have very many friends. He actually has no friends. What I should do is I should lean into his hobbies, which was chemistry." So he bought him a chemistry set. Mhm. Which it's like, "Okay, cool. You're trying to get him something that he's interested in because obviously he doesn't realize what the fuck's about to happen but you know right. this is kind of like how at the beginning with Dahmer like how his dad was like let's mm-hmm. go dissect things and then Dahmer was like I really like dissecting things and his dad went oh shit but I don't think I don't I don't I think it was too late when Cram's dad was like oh shit <laughs> yeah so About the age 13 or 14, he actually went to a local chemist, lied about his age, said he was older, and acquired Antium. Mm. So basically, it is metallic, and it's silvery, and it's it's an alloy, Mm -hmm. and it's used in, like, flame-retardant substances. Mm -hmm. But it is highly toxic to humans, like, upon ingestion. There's a lot of things in our lives that we use on a daily (laughs) basis that are highly toxic of ingested. This is one of them. Fun fact, according to the Wikipedia page, he signed for his poison under the names Emmy Evans. So Hmm. I don't know what that was about, but like he just really wanted it. He was so into chemistry that not only was he like he had no friends, but other kids like Mm -hmm. made fun of him and they called him the mad professor. Hmm. I mean, I shouldn't feel bad because I know what a monster he turns into, but still, kids are mean. Right, kids are mean, and it probably would have helped, like, if he had had a buddy. Like, if he was like, I have a Mm -hmm. friend. Like, I think Mm -hmm. probably the reason it took Dahmer so long to kill is that he at least had people in his life who were like, you're entertaining as fuck, let's hang out. Even if it was superficial, but, like, he had some other, like, interactions. Mm -hmm. Apparently, by the age of 13, he literally became so proficient in it that like i said earlier he convinced local chemists that he was much older and he just knew all of the stuff and honestly like if someone walked in to like your i don't know chemistry store i'm, I'm kidding it's not a chemistry <laughs> store your lab and was like hey i need blah 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 and this is what i'm doing and this is why i want it yeah. and you're like maybe you look really young but you're like well the fuck well, what 13 year old or what kid knows about this shit mm-hmm. so he takes the he takes it home and he starts studying its purposes and uses and how it could start poisoning people. And Graham was very interested to see how much giving people stuff and what quantities, shit like that. So he began poisoning his stepmother, his father, and his sister. He started in February of 1961 and he was like just kind of poisoning their tea, which is why he's called the teacup poisoner. And... You know, he would just like his mom, his stepmom and his dad would get like sick and then his sister would get sick. And I think they just kind of thought something was like going around and they just couldn't get rid of it. And then they would get better because obviously Mm -hmm. like he has to be smart about it. Winifred was affected by it a lot. Like she'd have hallucinations and have to go to the hospital. And they basically were just like she's being poisoned, but they don't know how she's being poisoned. And how old was she? Do you know how old she was? She was like two years older than her, him or so around that age. Yeah. Two to three years older. So she's like 15, 16 when this is all happening. Mm hmm. You know, and so basically Fred, Fred, the dad, Frederick was kind of like, wait a second, like the only person in our family that isn't getting sick 
is Graham. Right. So like, what gives? So he kind of was like, why is your sister sick? Like, what's going on? Because, like, she got really bad in November of 1961. Like, that's when she was, like, hospitalized. Things were going bad. And then Graham was like, wait a second. I know what happened, Dad. I got this. I was making a a shampoo mix, and I was using a teacup. And there must have been residue in my teacup. I must have not cleaned it well enough. And then she drank from the teacup and then got sick. Because I'm going to be real honest, if you drink, like, soapy water, you're going to get the shits. Yeah. But, like, and I just don't think these people are going to get, like, I just don't think they knew enough to be like, wait a second, that doesn't track. Mm-hmm. But Frederick didn't believe him and went, like, and searched Graham's room, but they couldn't find anything. And this is the point where he was like, you know what? This is where he went all, like, Jeffrey Dahmer's dad and was like, fuck this shit. You're not allowed to be a chemist anymore. And that pissed Graham off something fierce. The next thing that we know in this family is that on Easter Saturday, which I didn't know was a fucking thing, but apparently it is, (laughs) on April 21st, 1962, Molly Young dies. Mm. Her death was attributed to a prolapsed cervical disc. And it was believed that she had a road accident, like a, I'm assuming some sort of like car accident. Yeah, I was going to say a car accident. I was like, I don't know, British people. (laughs) They called the road accident. Tragedy, but make it fancy. Mm -hmm. It's fine. However, (laughs) much, much, much later, the police would look and find out that she had a lethal dose of thallium. Oof. And this is kind of when they were like, wait a second. Like, what the fuck is happening? And it was found out that Graham was actually lacing a jar of mustard pickles with his chemistry set. Interesting. Yeah. And then Frederick gets sick and has to go to the hospital because this is like what people need to like realize about poisoners is that their victims get really sick. Then they go to the doctor and they get really better because they're away from their poisoner. And then they Mm -hmm. come home and most poisoners don't start right away. They give it some time. And so this is what was happening. And so at this point, like Frederick is like, my wife has just died. Mm -hmm. And I think my son is poisoning me and they test him and they find out that he has, you know, high levels of poison in his system. And even the the doctor said that if he had one more dose, it would have killed him. Oh, shit. Yeah. So they look into it and the aunt who his aunt that he was like so attached to contacted Mm -hmm. his science teacher, Mr. Hughes, and they found the poison in his desk at school. Because he wasn't dumb. He didn't keep it at home. Yeah. So with that, on May 23rd, 1962, Graham was arrested when he was coming home from school. He had the, the vials of thallium and antium on his body or on his person. And so they were like, shit, this is right. a lot. So they yeah. actually would end up questioning him. And he confessed to poisoning his father, his stepmother, his sister, and his, his single friend at school, Chris Williams. Oh, good. You know, you got one friend. And you're going to try to kill him. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Christopher Fish would actually testify that Graham had a psychopathic disorder rather than a rare mental illness. And it had failed to develop a normal moral sense, which, you know, they do. And basically what it is, is that 
they were like, he's so, because he's 14 at this point. Like, he's not mm-hmm. very old. He's 14. Mm-hmm. And they're like, the fuck? Like, what do we do with this kid? And so he pled guilty to the three charges of poisoning his father, his sister, and Chris Williams, and then was convicted of malice administration of, of a noxious thing to infect grievous bodily harm. But he was not charged with murdering his stepmother because... Because of the car accident. Well, that and her death certificate didn't say poisoning because it hadn't been caught up at this time. Right. Oh. Mm-hmm. So at that okay. point in time, they were like, he's so young. He's at, at, By the time he's being sentenced, he's 15. Mm-hmm. And they decide, you know what the best place to do is to put him in a hospital. Because like we talked about when we did the James Bulger case. Mm-hmm. We talked about how they institutionalized to, to reform in England. So he mm-hmm. went to Broadmoor Hospital, and there he would stay for eight years. And then he would be released back into the population with other human beings unsupervised. <laughs> with that, I'm going to hand it over to Tara, and she's going to tell you how he went from being a murderer to a serial killer. Yes. Okay. So after his eight years at Broadmoor Hospital, he was released at age 23. So now he's a young adult. And fun fact, on his way out, he let a nurse know that he planned to poison and kill one person for each year he was there. And you would think this would be like, let's halt this release. No, the nurse just made a note of it in his file and let him go on his way. I wonder if it was like one of those things where like... You know, like maybe she'd gotten to know him and he made jokes like that a lot. And she was just like, sure, Jan. But in reality. (laughs) Well, because they probably have to like document anything, even if they think someone's kidding. Well, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm saying like, I bet she felt really bad like later. (laughs) I bet she was like, oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) I should have told someone. (laughs) I mean, she technically. So technically, it's not really on her because if she she notated it. So it'd be on the doctors, I guess. Mm hmm. So that makes sense. So upon his release, he actually stayed with Winifred for about a week before he went to live in a hostel because he was participating in a work training program. And, you know, she apparently decided to overlook the fact that he murdered their stepmom, poisoned her, poisoned their dad. But their dad was like, no, fuck off. I mean, I don't want Frederick it. is smart. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, can't blame him there. And to entertain himself, Graham liked to walk around the town and the school and said he loved seeing the fear on people's faces when they realized who he was and that this, quote, concerned his sister. (laughs) Like, yeah, I would think that immediately they would call the doctor at, you know, the hospital he was at and was like, hey, he likes terrorizing people. Maybe you should get Mm -hmm. your boy in, like, checked out. Exactly. And once he was out and released and stuff, he went to London quite a bit and he became friends with pharmacists. And this was how he began to stock up on antimony, thallium, and a whole slew of other poisons. And I also, I just have to like out myself right now. So we're saying thallium like TH, not Valium. And I was watching a video when I, before I started like doing more and more research. And I was like, he poisoned people with Valium? I'm very confused. What? I mean. (laughs) And then I like started like reading articles and stuff. And I was like, oh, different, different. So. But also like, 
dude poisoned me with Valium, I'll go out very <laughs> happy. <laughs> I have no concerns. Right. Oh, God. But a quick rundown on what thallium is, if you're curious, since it's kind of his drug of choice for this. It's a drug that was discovered by Sir William Crooks in 1861. And it's another one that's a heavy metal. And it says it's kind of like it's in the form of salt. And it's really closely related to mercury and lead, but obviously much more lethal. Oh, shit. Yes, and this is present in a lot of pesticides or rat poison is the most common one. And in case you're wondering what happens to victims of thallium poisoning, they lose their hair and typically complain of extreme pain in their body extremities, their fingers and toes, and they would have leg pain so severe the weight of clothes would just be like agony to victims. But... When looking at studies with thallium, it's really rare for poisoners to use it because even though it's like colorless, tasteless, and dissolves easy in liquids, people just like don't for some reason. But because of all of that and because it does give off, you know, like flu-like symptoms and other like actual illnesses, it's said that it is an ideal drug for someone who's a poisoner. So... (laughs) I'm going to just do Don't a disclaimer. Don't get no ideas. Yeah, if you listen to this and you decide to poison people, you cannot, in your sentencing, cannot be like, well, I heard it on Three Spooked Girls. You read that on an article somewhere. Don't you dare fucking drag us down with this shit. Mm-mm. Oh, oh yeah, no. I read that on John Hopkins, so blame them, not me. <laughs> John Hopkins would like you to know that you can poison people effectively. Is it, I'm wondering if it's just like hard to get a hold of. I mean, I would assume now. So yeah, there's that. There's our little uh, chemistry lesson for the episode. Um, But wouldn't you know, while he's at this hostel, a friend of his, 34-year-old Trevor Sparks, became extremely ill. So Mm. poor Trevor was experiencing abdominal cramps and vomiting. And so, of course, good old Graham, he's like, hey, Trevor, have a glass of wine to help soothe this. And I'm sure y'all can guess what was the true motive with that. So after having the wine, Trevor's face swelled up. He (gasps) was vomiting way more. He started having diarrhea and he had, quote, strange scrotal pains. Scrotal pains? Owie. Yeah. I mean, I don't have one of those, but I'm assuming, (laughs) right? Like if I put it in context, like that would hurt a lot. Yes. And this was obviously extremely odd because He's relatively young. He was healthy. He was very athletic. He was a soccer player. So, you know, it was just kind of like, what the actual fuck? So, and Trevor actually ended up in the hospital after he became violently ill during a game and was said to, quote, lose control of his legs. So the doctors were confused as fuck. They were like, what the actual hell is going on? Right. And so... When they treated him, they said he had a kidney infection, bowel infection, UTI, and or stomach infection. So basically, they had no fucking clue. They're just like, you have all the infections. I don't know. So Trevor left the hostel in the area in, nine, in April of 1971. He did recover because obviously he was away from Graham. But sadly, he never played soccer again. Mm. Yeah. Or Trevor. Now, I know. Now, there was another man that Graham was friends with at the hostel, whose name I could not find, but he was being poisoned as well. Surprise, surprise. 
And his symptoms became so horrific that this man could not take it anymore and he took his own life. <gasps> oh no. Yeah. So you might be wondering, wouldn't this set off red flags immediately? Yes, it would if his parole officer had been checking in on him, but the parole officer never checked on him ever. Mm. Like not even one time. Nothing. They just were like, okay, be free. Bye, little bird. <laughs> little psycho bird. You tried to, you killed your stepmom. It's fine. Just go in the world. Have fun. Yeah. So with his, with this work training program, Graham worked as a store man at John Hadland Laboratories, which was a photographic laboratory. And they made infrared lenses for military equipment. And they had known that he had a stay at Broadmoor Hospital, but didn't know the details of him being a murderer. It just, they saw a note that he was there, he had fully recovered, and was obviously released, right? Mm -hmm. And what was on the paperwork wasn't the psychopath stuff that this doctor said. I'm like, where the fuck was that? Because apparently on the paperwork, all it said was he had a personality disorder. So, you know, they, they're they just like, okay, this kid's had a, a rough go, it's whatever. It's like the worst case of telephone. <laughs> uh-huh. Because they definitely would not have hired him if they had known the details of this because thallium is used in the product, in the production process. Oh, shit. So he had easy access to it. He's like, on top I got of having pharmacist friends. Exactly. So I'm sure you can guess what happens next. So many of the employees became violently sick, and there was good old Graham offering to make tea and coffee for his coworkers. And people didn't dislike him, so they obviously didn't think anything of it. They probably just, they were just like, he's just being nice. Whatever. And then one day, Graham's boss, Bob Eagle, age 59, he began to be sick as well. He had severe cramps and dizziness. And originally, people thought, because so many people were getting sick at the lab, they thought it was a bug. It was called the Bovingdon bug, which is like their location. So it's like, eh, it's like a flu thing that had actually like kind of ran rampant through one of the schools. So oh. they're like, oh, you know, that's got to be what it is, which would make sense. Hello, because most of these people had kids. Right. And, you know, other people, you know, they complained of cramps, similar symptoms, but none were as severe as Bob who, interesting, would recover when he was home, sick, but then became sicker when he got back to work. Hmm. Weird. <clears throat> and eventually, poor Bob was no. sent to the hospital where he died on oh. July 7th, 1971. I don't know why I'm acting surprised like these people died. <laughs> I'm <laughs> talking about a serial okay. killer. Jesus, Justin, <laughs> get your shit together. But we got some more bad paperwork because they recorded his death as pneumonia. I mean, if it kind of, like, matches the symptoms. Yeah. I mean, I'm not blaming the doctors. I'm just, it's just, like, frustrating. You know what I mean? Since we know, like, the truth. If you're a doctor, correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't think pneumonia is something, like, you, like, test for and it, like, pops back. Like, oh, you have pneumonia. I think it's, like, you have all these right. symptoms. Exactly. I'm pretty sure that's the case, too. So then a couple months later, in September of 71, Fred Biggs, who was age 60, he had similar symptoms to Bob. And more employees were getting sick, and all of them had severe cramps, hair loss, and sexual dysfunction. I don't know why the sexual dysfunction's, like, gotta be highlighted, but they included that. I have a feeling if you were a person who was that was happening to, it's probably frustrating. Probably, yeah. 
And so, you know, the the labs looking on site, they're looking at everything. They looked into water contamination, radioactive fallout, leakage of chemicals, you know, because like I said, thallium was one. So they're they're looking at everything, but everything was coming back as a no. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, what the fuck? And poor Fred was eventually admitted to the London Hospital for Nervous Diseases, and he died on September 11th, 1971. And he, Graham, had a journal that's later found and whatnot. We'll talk about that a little later. He was annoyed Fred took so long to die. Ew. He literally wrote that. And so when the second actual death happened, the lab's like, what the fuck? Like, you know, the big wigs and stuff. They're like, we really have to fucking figure this out, right? Mm-hmm. Because not only have these two died, there were 70 employees total who all had these symptoms going on. 70? And of course, 70. That's and so, insane. so many people were like scared, you know? And when I was doing some digging, I found this article that featured one of those employees. Her name was Diana. And she said, quote, all of my hair fell out and I was in agony. I lost several teeth and had cancer of the tongue and it was all down to young. At times, I wish I had died because of all the pain I had since. Sometimes I even considered suicide. I was a fit 42-year-old mother of two when he poisoned me, and I've never been the same since. I have to live with it every day. At the time, we didn't know what the long-term effects would be, but look at me. I have chest and stomach pains every day. End quote. And she did that interview when she was 73 years old. Oh, shit. Yeah. So over 30 years of suffering because of him. It's crazy. Yeah. And so, like I said, obviously, panic, fear, the whole nine. Obviously, everyone's freaking out, right? And so there was a doctor on site, and he tried to hold a meeting to reassure the staff, saying, you know, we're doing everything we can. We're going to figure it out. It will be okay. Like, we just have to remain calm, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Graham thought it was a great idea to ask him why they hadn't considered thallium poisoning, considering that it was used. Ah, dumb, dumb. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the doctor was like, uh, excuse me, what the fuck? So he ended up finding out that Graham had a super in-depth knowledge into all this toxicology stuff. And he was like, mm, I see the red flag, the walking red flag that you are. So I'm going to report you. So he reported Graham to management and management alerted the police. I mean, so good on them. <laughs> yeah. If Graham is, like, one of the only ones not getting sick. Yeah. Like, 70 fucking people. Are you kidding me? What the fuck? And it's not like, like, I've seen pictures, and I'm sh- I'll am i probably post them, but it's like, it wasn't a big lab. Like, it was, you know what I mean? So, like, 70. There were I mean, 71 way, se- employees, is what she's saying. <laughs> Pretty much. Fuck. I don't know. <laughs> there's, actually, there's probably, like, 76, because, you know, there's, like, those five people who are, or like, those, yeah, those five people who are like, I don't drink coffee. It's bad for me. <laughs> I don't understand those people, but okay. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend. <laughs> not, not because it's bad for her. She just doesn't do caffeine. I'm like, you're fucking weird. <laughs> Darren and I are like, it's time to go to bed. Let's caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's six o'clock and I have a cup of coffee. Anyways, <laughs> so Graham would be arrested. And this took place on November 20th, 1971. And he was in Kent at the time. Some articles said, and Jessica and I talked about this off recording. Some stuff is very like conflicting or wrong mm-hmm. which is really frustrating so like yeah but anyways if, if our shit is some wrong say he was, it's not our fault <laughs> <laughs> we tried okay <laughs> so some say he was visiting his dad others said he was visiting his aunts 
But didn't his aunt die? I'm going to go with aunt. Or, no, his aunt. No. 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 Okay. I'm going to go with aunt because remember his dad was like, I ain't fucking with you. You, you, you a bad boy. I'm pretty sure his dad would be like, fuck you, go away. So aunt, you know. Anyways, so not only did they find that journal I mentioned where he's like bitching about someone taking too long to die. They also found thallium in his pockets. I just don't understand how he wasn't getting it, like leaching it through his skin. Like, was it? I, I'm hoping. I don't know. I mean, not hoping. I really kind of hope. I mean, it it's would. like from what I read, it was it's like a consistency of like salt. So he probably had it in a jar. Probably. Or some sort of package. I don't know. Something. I just don't. Think I just imagine I would... like a little. I, I don't know why. I imagine like those glass vials from Emperor's New Groove. Ooh. With the cork, the glass, the cork. That's what I imagine the thallium was in. But who the fuck knows? I mean, kind of like that, but like the skinny ones. I'm sorry. Sorry, my t- I'm yeah. sorry, my poison bottle is fat. <laughs> it's not fat. It's just a different shape, you I idiot. <laughs> it's a square. It's a rectangle. Uh, yes, it's square. No, like the cylindery ones is kind of like what I imagine. Side note: I do want to get another poison bottle tattoo. I want to get the Cusco's one. <gasps> Me too. We're just, gonna have, we're just going to have all the matching stuff. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, so Graham was charged with two counts of murder, two counts of attempted murder, and two counts of administering poison, which if you think about it, he got off super lucky because that math ain't mathin' at all. That's but true. It's I digress. Now, during his interrogation, he admitted verbally to the poisonings, but refused to sign a written admission of guilt. He's right. like, I'll tell you, but fuck no, I'm not getting that on paper. Bye. But not by he was obviously still arrested. And Graham loved the attention he was getting from this. He loved it. He reveled in it. But he had one issue. He did not like that the media named him the tea poisoner or the teacup poisoner. He thought that didn't do his actions justice. And I'm like, that's literally what you fucking did, though. Right. But okay. He wanted to be called the world poisoner because it was more dramatic, I guess. But it's like, mm, no, you that's didn't. Real, that's actually that's a different. worse name. <laughs> I'm like, no, no. So his trial was on June 19th, 1972. He pled not guilty and truly thought he would be acquitted because when it came to the trial, the prosecution was not allowed to submit his past crimes with his family into evidence. But this did not matter. He was found guilty on all charges on June 29th, 1972 and received four life sentences. Good. Now... Some good things came. So post-trial, the home security announced an immediate review of the control treatment assessment and release of mentally unstable prisoners. Even though he was he was deemed legally sane, they still ramped that up because, hello, this is still a, like, he should not have been let out. Right. And he was being taught how to interact with people, you know, like, mm-hmm. I had that thought earlier, like, he was antisocial, so probably one of the ways that they were like, oh, how we'll get him to be rehabilitated is that we'll teach him how to be social. So they exactly. taught a sociopath how to mimic, like, interacting mm-hmm. with people, and exactly. it just set him up for... I mean, shit, it's like, hello, Ed Kemper, same shit, you know what I mean? It's true. So, <laughs> and then there's this thing called the Arvold Report that published in January of 1973. And this led to the reform of the way these prisoners were monitored upon release and resulted in the creation of the Advisory Board for Restricted Patients. So also another good thing. Now, some disturbing stuff. When asked whether he felt any remorse over all of this, he replied, quote, what I feel is the emptiness of my soul, end quote. 
And he was taken to serve his sentence at the Parkhurst prison. And this is where he met someone who might sound familiar. He met Ian Brady, who is the man involved in the Moore's murders. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. And Ian had done some interviews and stuff on his interactions with Graham because they became like buddies. Ian also like had a thing like he wanted he wanted him to be his like boyfriend, basically, but whatever. But he described Graham as, quote, generally asexual, excited only by power, clinical experimentation, observation and death, end quote. So basically, he's like, he gets his rocks off with murder, death, and science, and not me. Boo-hoo. He also stated that during their time together, they would play chess. They bonded over talking about their obsession with Hitler and Nazi Germany, and that Graham at that point had grown out a Hitler mustache. Oh. Yes. And apparently, he was also super fucking pumped when... There was a wax statue of him added to Madame Trousseau's Chamber of Horrors because he was next to Dr. Crippen, which is like one of the, I think the other poisoner, I'm assuming, is his name. So yeah. So with that, Graham died in his cell at Parkhurst on August 1st, 1990 at the age of 42. The cause of death that they had reported was heart failure. Though some people were really like curious if maybe somebody had poisoned him or that he was kind of overliving in prison. So he poisoned himself because obviously he he knew what to do in all of that. So with this case, it spread it spread like wildfire. It really did. And thallium ended up being used as a coating on U.S. missiles during the first Gulf War. So that's a fun fact for you. And then they released a movie in 1995 based on the journal that was released of his. And that was called The Young Prisoner's Handbook. And then in 2005, there was a copycat person. There's not a lot of info out there. So nobody come at me about this. I'm going to tell you guys about it real quick. And you can like Google it and you'll find it. Okay. So November of 2005, there was a 16 year old girl from Japan, right? She was arrested Mm -hmm. for poisoning her mom with thallium. She poisoned her mom so much that her mom went into a coma. And I tried to see if her mom lived, survived, but there's literally nothing. The most recent article I could find on what happened with that was from 2006. So that that didn't didn't fucking help. Oh, shit. But her name was never released. The girl's name was never released because she was a minor and all of that. But what's creepy, too, and if you look up the articles on it on theguardian.com there's excerpts mm-hmm. of a of an online blog she had because she was literally like blogging about it about poisoning her mom and how she felt and all of this stuff and basically like once her their mom her mom ended up in the hospital her brother got really creeped out because like she just looked so fucking happy and she was like staring at her mom all creepy so they were <laughs> he was like mm, somebody needs to check out my sister because i think she fucking did this and she did so yeah, she got arrested. That would be so hard to like look at your sibling and be like, I really think you poisoned right. a parent or a loved right. one. So I, I really hope that because the mom ended up in the hospital, they were able to get her out of the coma and she could make some kind of recovery. I don't know. Like I said, there there was no really updates on it because even the 2006 article was like 
not much time after because this did happen in mm-hmm. November of 2005. So, yeah. And then she 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 straight up was like, yes, like I took imp- inspiration from him because like he was my favorite person, blah, 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 whatever. So, yeah, that was an interesting little rabbit hole to find. But yeah, no, please, if you're not a good person and you're listening to this, don't take inspiration and go poison people, please. Thank you. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't murder people. It's bad. Don't, don't, don't murder people. <sighs> That's all bad. But anyways, that is going to go ahead and wrap us up for today. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you back here on Thursday. Bye. Bye, guys.